All right, so that was a clip from The Vault. Uh, as always, everything you hear on this podcast is original music. Uh, that was my old band, Mesa's, uh, from back in the day with Brennan Walsh, Ryan Hart, Ben Crannell, and I think that's all that was in that band. Um, so thank you for tuning in to What a World Podcast. Uh, is where you get to enjoy me, Randall Thomas, talking to some of the most interesting and beautiful souls that I get to encounter in my crazy life. Um, I travel every, uh, I, I go to all of my friends to meet them, uh, and I do that so that I can meet them at a place where they feel most comfortable because I believe in the power of a safe or a sacred space and communicating on a humane level. Uh, and this is best achieved by being non-judgmental and by doing one of the things that I do best, which is listening. Um, and I'm all about seeking understanding through intelligent discourse, uh, or mostly intelligent discourse. Um, so anyway, make sure to visit whataworldpodcast.com for my blog and other podcast episodes. Uh, you can also visit patreon.com slash whataworldpodcast to become a patron and so now since i get to travel all over to visit my friends and they so graciously allow me to invade their minds and their space um i get to uh, go to some awesome places and sometimes that includes very beautiful places so that being said for this episode we recorded at one of my new favorite places uh the little beach house in malibu um, and that's where we got to sit out on the deck in front of the ocean. Uh, I apologize if anybody listening is offended to or otherwise uh, does not enjoy the sounds of soothing ocean waves and, uh, you know, beautiful mother nature. Uh, because we recorded this thing like 10 feet away from the water. So there are a couple of minor interruptions because we did record at a private club, but it was still a club out in public. So with all the beauty of the scenery um, comes the downfall of minor inconveniences. I'm not mad. But, so, my guest today is a sustainable couture fashion designer, an avid horse rider, and a diehard surfer, Jeff Garner. Uh, he believes modern industrialized consumerist culture is toxic and needs to change. Uh, I tend to agree, especially after hearing about some of the things that Jeff is passionate about. Uh, he seems to think holistically, and uh, by that I mean he isn't thinking on just one level. He is thinking about individual health concerns and consumerist culture, uh, as well as international and global implications brought on by industrial biohazards. You know, uh, <laughs> simple stuff. Um, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I just like to talk fancy. <clears throat> so thanks for tuning in to hear my new friend and featured guest, Jeff Garner, uh, owner and designer of sustainable couture fashion label, Prophetic. And that is Prophetic with a K instead of a C. Uh, once again, here is our talk on the beaches of Malibu. <clears throat> All right, I am sitting here with Jeff Garner. He is the founder of the design label Prophetic, 
Uh, he is known as a leader in conscious design and eco-friendly fashion. He is recognized by fashion institutions across the world as an elegant and forward-thinking designer. His work can be seen in publications from Vogue to Elle, and his designs are sold in boutique stores from Malibu to China. Right? <laughs> China sort sounds of. so bad. <laughs> uh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. You make him here, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff is a designer, a modern-day gentleman, equestrian and romantic, and an artist. I always love how the intros happen. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I get anything wrong, I'm kind of notorious for getting something wrong. No, no, it sounds good. It sounds no. good. Yeah, I mean, my main focus, obviously, is sustainable couture fashion. Okay. So I do catwalks all around the world to help bring awareness. That's my main kind of yeah. goal in it. But, yeah. Yeah. And so we're here. We're out here in uh, Malibu, out on the beach, actually, which is beautiful. Thanks for having me out here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're a leader and pioneer in eco-friendly and conscious design. Sure. What is that? What is that? That's, that's the most <laughs> common question I get. Like, hey, Jeff, can I smoke your clothes? I'm like, well, I wouldn't try it. I mean, I'd, I'd, you know, I can imagine myself, but I'd rather hear it from somebody who's actually in it. Sure. So I define it. Everyone defines it differently nowadays. But simply, I do natural fabrication. So what that means, that's like flax and hemp and linen and organic cottons, etc. Seaweed even. Um, and then I marry that with plant-based dyes. Okay. Some say natural, some say veg vegetable dyes. Vegetable dyes don't, that's a misconception. They don't, if you stain your clothes with vegetables, it will, it will not last. It'll turn gray and wash out in your laundry, you'll hate it. So plant-based means like indigo flowers, marigold flowers for yellow, red matter root. I even use bark for my trees in Tennessee to get like called logwood, to get you know gray tones, black tones, etc. Yeah. So I marry those two together and create you know an all sustainable collection as I see it. Um, some people define it as, you know, that it's going to last forever, et cetera. They get confused. But, you know, we, as a designer, we make things that do last. It's, a, it's called slow fashion. It's against the norm of fast fashion that you see popular in, in H&M, Zara, et cetera, those models. Okay. Which is simply, those models say, hey, let's make as much as we can. Let's sell it for cheap as we can and then get it out. And it's called design obsolescence. Simply, so if I make you a T-shirt you wash it 10 times from H&M, it's gonna basically fall apart, dethread, get holes in it, and then you go back into the store and buy more. Yeah. So that's why they do it. And okay. they teach designers to design this way. So the, my style and my fellow designers, they, sustainable fashion means we do it. So we make you a garment that hopefully you can pass down to your kids, future generation, you know, next generation. That's the idea. So all the buttons, all the zippers are really good. Material is going to last, that kind okay. of thing. So it's not like biodegradable. It's, it, yeah. Sure, yeah, and biodegradable, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Yeah, you hear all about it, like, we make recycled plastic and it's biodegradable. It's like, no, not really. Yeah. Um, Making it out of oils and stuff. <laughs> well, petroleum-based, that's why the, the synthetic dyes are petroleum-based. So yeah. you could take, let me just, you know, I like it that we're going there. First, first off the bat, usually yeah. we have to entertain. <laughs> so, say you know, I make a hemp, you know, dress shirt, and then I dye it with synthetic dyes. Yeah. Guess what? It's not biodegradable anymore. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot put that in a landfill. It will not break down because of the synthetic dye, which is made of petroleum. Okay. Right. So that's a misconception. It's like having a beautiful wood wall, and then you paint over it. Yeah. So you cover up the pores. It's you know, then it's toxic. Paint at over that point. with lead paint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
so it's not natural anymore. The, the original material was, but that's a misconception. And you hear it, you don't hear much about it because obviously in society with all the mass producers, nobody's doing plant-based dyes. It's yeah. too expensive and takes too long. Simply, mm -hmm. that's, that's it. So that's why I do it on a smaller scale and do it for catwalks and do it for this couture because I can showcase that you can do it differently, but it's gonna be a higher price point. Yeah. You know, but it's gonna last and it's not gonna poison your body. Yeah, so speak on that a little bit. Uh, I personally, I don't know much about like the poisons that go into the dyes and stuff. <laughs> sure. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll go into a little bit, not to bore you with science. So the big culprit is formaldehyde. Okay. So formaldehyde is like the staying power of the dyes. So simply like, and we have formaldehyde in our preservatives in our food, same thing, like in glue, uh, nail polish, you're gonna have formaldehyde and all that vinyl in the, in the car seats. That's why you find a lot of people are getting lung cancer without ever smoking. Because simply if you're you know, in California in the desert, you park your car, keep the windows up, it's gonna basically create, um, you know, it's gonna off gas inside the car. And it's not like you're smoking pot or anything. It's gonna off gas, not a good thing. You open the door and it's gonna go right straight in your lungs. Yeah. All that formaldehyde. So, okay. you know, that's the main culprit in all the dyes, synthetic yeah. dyes. However, in different dyes, there's different combinations. There's a lot of cad cadmium. There's a lot of heavy metals that also aren't good for you to ingest. And, you know, basically people are starting to hear this, but anything we put on our bodies obviously is going to soak into our bodies because we were designed to be naked. And that's just it. So nobody's really studied the synergy of effect that, hey, if I wear this, that every this, single day <laughs> yeah that this chemical is going to go into my body because our skins are designed to breathe yeah and to sweat and to release toxins the biggest organ that we have exactly so we cover it up now because you know obviously we're modest and we should but it's going to affect our you know our whole system yeah and nobody's really studied that because all these toxins all these chemicals all these synthetics developed during the war world war ii okay for example like we needed more parachutes so we're using silk for the parachutes well, all the ladies wear silk for the hose at that time. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have that much silk, right? So during the war, we, in a lab, one guy created a synthetic silk, Okay. right? Which we call today nylon. Right. So nylon acts and takes the properties of silk. So it's called biomimicry, where we study nature and develop something from it, right? So helicopter, hummingbird, etc. Yeah. So simply, you know, with this, inventions they never thought about hey what if you put this on the body because it's just a cheap alternative to the natural yeah so we're like wow it acts like silk well we're gonna make nylon board shorts nylon swimsuits nylon stockings nylon yeah. underwear but guess what after the world war ii all the cancer rates went up why did breast cancer start shooting up well two reasons one women started working more all day long because at Stress. that time there were not enough men. Okay. So they started working more and so they were wearing the bras all day long versus just when the two hours they went out to dinner at night or whatever yeah. or were visited by people at the house, right? That was just the life at that time. So they're wearing nylon bras all day long and guess what? That off gases go straight into the bloodstream. You know, I could go, and if you want to continue down this path, I can tell you the science behind it, but the lymphonic system, which is designed to kind of carry out your toxins. Yeah right through your underarm and you know but it's like an old clock you had a white that you didn't wind up by by motion sorry by motion 
it moved out everything. Yep. But it needed motion to work. Yep. So it wasn't like you winded it up. So, so they're just standing in one spot with this new chemical on them exactly. without moving. Yeah, because the, the, you know, obviously the bras restrict movement and yeah. they pull everything in, suck it up, and then the chemicals go straight into the bloodstream and all that fatty tissue on the breast. Yeah. Well, no wonder we are where we are with breast cancer. But obviously there's a big industry out there that makes a lot of money. We're yeah. talking millions and billions of dollars off of synthetic you know, dyes, synthetic fabrications, and Victoria's Secrets, etc., that sell all these nylon bras. Yeah. So they're the first ones that aren't going to study the synergy effect. And they were already sued by 600 women back in the day, and they settled out the lawsuits, etc., because you know they they don't want to change their system. Yeah. Imagine if you told Victoria's Secrets, "Hey, you cannot wear nylon. You cannot use nylon in your fabrications anymore." Well, they won't have a cheap alternative. They can't sell them for that price point, which their consumers used to. So consumers will go elsewhere. They'll probably go out of business. So it makes sense why they're trying to protect their entity, their business, yeah. and not go to natural fibers. Yeah. But that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because hopefully more awareness will take place, more consumers will demand it, they'll create a market, yeah. therefore everyone will move back to natural fibers and plant-based dyes, and then we'll be in a different era. Yeah. So. Starts with... Uh the idea and then demand. Yeah, yeah exactly. that makes sense. So where do you uh, where do you get your most of your cloth from? Depends what it is. Hemp comes from Canada. Um, okay. I get some Tusa silk from. Uh, there's some certain factories in China that do it properly, um, and then um, the seaweed fabric I get from the U.S. Um, it just depends. Um, you know, a lot of these projects I work on. I just did a. A showcase in Scotland, Edinburgh Castle, and I used all. I went to visit all the factories there, that all these mills that still produce fabric and all oh, these wow. old machinery. It is really <laughs> cool, but they have linens that they make there. So I created the whole collection off of that. Wow! So I also try to use local. Depending on, and before that, I did a show in Lisbon and Madeira. Used Madeira lace in Portugal, which is all hand loomed by these ladies, which is amazing. So. Wow. You know, obviously, back in the day, we made all our fabrics off of whatever we, whatever we had close to us. So, you know, the U.S. was all about hemp and cotton at that time. Yeah. You know, Levi Strauss made the first denim out of hemp. Yeah. You know, that's a funny story because, I mean, they saw all these miners going to work in the mines, coming back, having holes in all their best pants. Their wives would get mad at them, like, you got another hole, I'm not fixing it anymore. Because yeah. it was cotton. Yeah. So then... Um, they took the, the sturdy, you know, hemp denim that they used probably for cloths or, you know, the selling vessels. I mean, it was just burlap sacks, etc. Yeah. And they just made pants for them. Okay. And they would never get holes because they were like super coarse, super thick. Yeah. So he got the idea from that and then made the first kind of hemp denim jean and then started selling it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. And now they're made out of cotton versus hemp. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh... <clears throat> So you talk about uh, Levi Strauss. Whenever I think of people like that, I also think of Calvin Klein. Yeah. And I read that you were mentored by him. Yeah, I knew Calvin back in the day when I first started. He kind of was at that point in his life where he had sold his business, sold his name, essentially. Um, that company made, you know, they basically they had a clean, minimalistic design at this time. You know, we're talking like late 90s. Yeah. Um, and the underwear thing, you know, it was a brilliant idea. Put your name on the underwear, make it very sleek, modern, introduce it, sexy, 
you got Bruce Weber, who we all know today, uh-huh. who did his campaigns, made it sexy. <laughs> uh, I, I knew Bruce as well. Okay, nice. <laughs> Not gonna go there, but uh, okay. lo- lovely, lovely guy, uh, very artist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he he you know at a young age influenced me because he he as a designer was very because um, we were we were friends run around with the same same group of people and. Okay. And he shared with me a lot of his, you know, pros and cons to to selling and and doing the licensing deal and, yeah. you know, and as a designer who was passionate about his product, you know, he's regretful that he did that because you lose control as a designer of of, of your name and your brand and obviously most of these guys do it for money or, you know, it's it's hard to to, to swim in this this big, you know, big bowl so to speak and, you know. Um, I've always been self-sufficient and because I didn't want anybody to come in and influence. So, you know, if tomorrow I want to go do, a, you know, work with another country, like on my next project in Bali, I can do that. I don't need to create a commercial revenue or avenue for that. Yeah. If I feel heartfelt about a certain project, I'll go and help them. Just you know, do bas- it. <laughs> basically the pro- Bali project is using uh, banana and bamboo fiber they grow there. And they have a huge um, handicapped population, okay. and so they're gonna basically give them a skill set to be able to sew up some things, so that we can actually create a, a factory there that other designers can use. Wow. You know, giving these guys a job and opportunity, and um, using local textiles. So that's a great project for me. And then plus, at the same time, we're gonna use some of the funding to help with the plastic issue that's there. Okay. Big plastic issue because all the tourism. Yeah. So bringing in incinerators and using that to fuel everything. Okay. So it's kind of so. Wow. You know, <laughs> if I had a board of investors and they had said, "Hey, I'm going to go do this," they're like, "No, no, no, Jeff, stay on track. Do this. You got to make more hemp boxers, Jeff." I'm oh, like, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, no I, yeah. I want to go help the people in Bali. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So that's been my path. It's not everyone's path, and it's not yeah. an easy one for yeah. sure. And a lot of sacrifice with that as well. Yeah, there's not a lot of corporate money backing that I'm sure no no these guys are, are looking for a certain certain kind of plan and it's funny I had Goldman Sachs come out and meet with me from New York in Tennessee actually yeah. and I told him hey bring your riding boots They're like what I'm like bring your riding boots picked him at the airport took him put him on a horse right away you know yeah. he's not he's not a he wasn't a good no. he doesn't ride okay let's say. yeah so but he was like so his first time that's kind of mean yeah well (laughs) you know he was an athlete good looking good looking guy good guy uh he was probably head quarterback you know like that guy so so he can handle it and uh so i put him on a really good horse we went out for a hack and you know going down this big hill and i said okay let me hear the pitch (laughs) you know as he's trying to handle the horse it was great and uh we had a great heart-to-heart talk and it just not alignment for you know you know, I, many times I, I thought about it, about aligning myself, and maybe I could have bigger awareness or a bigger platform. But it just didn't feel right. I feel like it would it would redirect me, and and I don't want to be that guy that like people. You know, anytime you're trying to talk about something, people look for the negative. They look, how can we bring him down? How can we criticize Jeff? How can we? You know, does he really wear his product? I mean, you can see now I wear my stuff every yeah. day. Um, I live and breathe it. But, you know, it's, it's that natural criticism we all have. And so I wanted to make sure I was pure to what I believe in. 
yeah. and what I'm trying to get others to believe in. Okay. So that's kind of part of my, you know, I had a lot of buddies in Nashville growing up who we were Christian music artists. And early on, you know, I was like this weird hippie, long-haired kid growing up in Tennessee, and all my buddies were good old boys. We did rodeo together and all this stuff. Okay. And then I go close my 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 door of my room, and I go in and start cutting apart clothes and put them back together. Not a thing you you do in the South, right, at this time. Yeah. <laughs> so all my buddies were long-haired Christian music artists. And I was like, hey, you know, can I hang out with you guys? And they were like, yeah, you're kind of weird and different like us. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so I jump on tour buses and and you know hey be in our band I'm like no 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 but I'll dress you and that's kind of how I started okay yeah but with that upbringing it was neat because I was able to explore my creativity which a lot of kids don't have that opportunity yeah and obviously I had a southern father who was like you know get a real job and wanted me to go to West Point Academy and all this stuff and I don't okay. blame him I get it uh, you know my great grandfather's first G-man my uncle was an ATF other uncle was DA Wow. Um, so I, I get all that, but I had a different brain. My grandfather was a scientist okay. in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, so the okay. Manhattan Project. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I inherited his kind of creative thinking, scientific brain, and so I was like, you know what, I want to use it for good. Yeah. So I, I had a full ride to West Point, said no way, I came out here, drove my Jeep to Malibu, and went to Pepperdine. Yeah. You know, all on my own accord. My family disowned me for a minute, and I was like, all right, well, so, I'll figure it out. So you, know. you pay your way through Pepperdine? I got a, luckily I had a friend that uh, her mom was administrative counselor there and so she got me a half a scholarship. Okay. And then the other half I paid, I, my buddy was an, an actor as a lot of people are out here and he said, hey, he was an American Pie, Thomas E. Nicholas, good okay, guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was like, Jeff, just let my agent send you out on a couple of gigs. I'm like, sure. I went out on one audition literally with Mattel toys and booked a Barbie commercial. I was Blaine Barbie. We shot one afternoon, three commercials, and that paid for the rest of my college. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, you know, super blessed, honestly, you know. Perfect. Yeah. And that propelled me, allowed me to continue this road. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always, I speak with universities and design schools, and I said, listen, you just got to follow your heart, follow your passion. It's scary at times. You don't know what, how you're going to survive, but just continue down just it. Do it. Trust it. Yeah. Because, you know, you kind of have to pick a secure way or a not secure way and kind of continue down that path and yeah anyway so i've kind of gone off the uh cuff a little bit but uh no, i don't know what we were talking about <laughs> but uh no that's cool i, I like um so you you paid your own way through pepperdine and then um what when was when do you consider your like big turning point into fashion so you know I was doing you know I think I told you I did the whole kind of artist thing where I designed for them and yeah. then um, during Pepperdine actually I started an internship working for Stiletto Entertainment and they okay. handled at the time Barry Manilow Fleet with Mac and Donna Summer yeah and some <laughs> Michael Jackson and so they through a, a mutual friend Jeff Ballard who's a publicist he handled Charlie Sheen at the time introduced me to Barry Manilow's manager Gary Keith and on the spot they hired me and I guess is that farm upbringing you know that work ethic I guess they liked it I was very just up front didn't know what I was getting into just an honest person yeah I guess and, and they saw the creativity and I was able to do be the creative director and, and yeah. learn from them and do merchandising and, and stage clothing and, and all that stuff so it was a great avenue to to learn without you know on my own dime so I was able to have this you know this structure 
but then have this learning curve as well yeah within a family entertainment business yeah which was great travel the world and set up tours and you know i'll never forget i was <laughs> i don't know if i'm allowed to say this or not but we were in vegas so manlo plays vegas a lot and we were staying one of the fancy hotels i don't remember which one and i remember walking down the lobby and i'm like how is that girl with that older guy having like and they're just started cracking up laughing they're like yep. jeff she's a you know she she works for that like what do you mean and they're like no that's her job that's her profession like she does that yeah. yeah i'm like are you, are you kidding me like i've never grown up in tennessee i've never seen yeah. you know there's uh, no us. a high-end hooker in my life i never yeah. saw that and uh, so i was literally fresh off the farm and uh oh yeah we're staying in new york at the trump hotel this is funny and you know they always stayed in the suite and i stayed next door you know in in a nice room as well but i did all my laundry in the dishwasher the room okay <laughs> i looked at the you know i looked at i was like there's no way i'm gonna send this out it's, it's just so you know 10 bucks for a pair of socks no yeah, way yeah <laughs> so there was funny moments like that that uh yeah, look I mean, back on i'm like i'm so happy i had that you know that I mean, learning curve I mean, so, that makes you know that you can do it, some kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and they were, every idea I brought up, you know, unless they would allow me to try it, you know. And That's then nice. and if it didn't work, then we went back and figured out why it didn't and went a different direction. Yeah. But it was great to learn learn that world and still have some, some family protection. Yeah. Know. But, uh, yeah, the, the fashion creative worlds are, are tough. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Very tough. Yeah, it's, it's one of my questions is... Uh, what do you is there something that you do to like kind of cope with the artistic life like the ups and downs the, like the balance of it yeah you know it's funny i've been lately i've been you know the oscar wilde i've been van gogh there's a great film out with him now um you know i went to the exhibition i was teaching in florence Italy. went to the exhibition there all these guys end up going mad luckily my medium isn't you know, painting. Yeah. Cause I smelling those oils all day long or those acrylics that would drive me insane too. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a mad hatter either, so I don't have that. But, um, and luckily I work with sustainable fabrics and dyes. So that's another yeah. thing. I remember printing band t-shirts and smelling off gassing from the printer. And I was like, there's no way I could do this. No <laughs> yeah. way. I got to figure out a different way. So yeah. I worked with Will, F uh, Will Flex inks in Atlanta actually. And we came up with a natural pigment for, for printing band shirts. That was okay. kind of my first, first thing um was doing band merchandise okay yeah. so but i always you know i was like there's no way you know this just i can't even be in here i'm getting a headache like coming from a farm environment to yeah you know i mean your experience in from la right clean now clean air smog. to chemicals yeah, yeah and it, it's taxing <laughs> and i guess we just get numb to it um but uh but yeah so being in a creative industry the balance is just staying in nature yeah. So that's why I, I split my time between Malibu and Tennessee, you know, either on a horse in Tennessee or on a surfboard in Malibu and just keeping that as a constant in my life, you know, um, that's important for everyone, I think. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like nature is the one thing that can balance people in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, there's studies of it. You, you get them out on the beach or in, in, in the woods, they completely shift and change. Yeah. You know. Um, so uh, I want you to tell me a little bit about the documentary that's uh, there's a there's a, I guess there's another one that's coming out in a couple of days. <laughs> no, no, I'm, it's not. It, so yeah, we're in the in the process of getting that. We haven't even 
started filming that one. Okay. It's the treatment's been done. We're basically pitching it right now to networks, um, yeah. and it's more or less it's more of a series design series because right. I think it, as you can tell, there's a, there's a lot to the sustainable fashion. Yeah. And there's a lot of interesting facts like you know for example athletes they get sponsored by Adidas Nike where where this this stretch fabric this polyester wick, wickerwear they call it yeah. they go out and play these tennis matches well guess what there was a study done between that fabric and just natural cotton hemp it fatigues your muscles 25% faster because there's no breathability it puts chemicals yeah. into your bloodstream so it's interesting facts like that so I want to take it to a broader network so people see see the actual guy playing tennis, see this professional athlete, seeing the test results, seeing the science, you know, it's like, wow, yeah. that's gonna make a huge impact, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and not to mention, you know, I make him boxers, you know, and I tell guys, yeah, you can, you know, I used to make them for the bands, you can wear them all day long <laughs> on your tour bus, don't have to change your boxers, they're like, done, Jeff. Yeah. But that's why they wear them, they wouldn't wear them because there's not chemicals going into their prostate, which can create prostate cancer. Yeah. You know, or not to mention the friction that's found in those nylon boxers that actually create, you know, creates problem with, you know, obviously making children Heat problems and stuff yeah yeah, yeah exactly um, that static electricity it's just not good that's yeah. why there's a lot of birth issues now and you know that kind of stuff you know you don't want to you don't want to be the party pooper of the uh, you know right <laughs> yeah, you know people get through talking with me and they're like wow like, oh, they start man. looking at their clothes they go home and like jeff i don't know what to do with my closet now i'm all depressed i'm like so you're like, it's that's okay. fine, I'll yeah. come over, I'll, I'll dress you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, you know, just start gradually. Now you know you're where. You can make an educated decision, yeah. and there you go. And, and that's so half of it. What about a colloidal silver? Is that... I've, I've read some people have been putting that in different, like, undergarments and stuff. Uh, there's a... L I, it hasn't been around enough to really know. Okay. Um... You know, they talk a lot about, I don't know, you hear about the nanoparticles and stuff. You know, yeah. it's a similar thing where they add it. It's an additive to the fabrication to create these properties that are already naturally found in hemp. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're just trying. Basically, the gist of it is these textile companies are trying to own it. Yeah. So if you can call it something, something silver or whatever, wickerware, yeah. you own that trademark name, you sell it, you make the money. But okay. it's basically just you know, toxic chemicals sprayed on a garment <laughs> that supposedly has the same natural behavior as hemp. It's yeah. like antibacterial, antifungal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just marketing. Yeah. Um, but again, they should do, somebody should enforce the policy that they have to do test results before it's released to public, I think. Yeah. But there's none of that, you know, these, these companies aren't regulated. I mean, it seems like we already know that formaldehyde is bad. Yeah. Shouldn't we know that wearing it is <laughs> Yeah, you great? know, it's a disconnect because people don't believe what they put on their bodies is going to affect them. Yeah. You know, and... it takes uh, too long. It's too slow of a process. It's like a yeah. slow poisoning. People yeah, get used exactly. to it. But there's lovely, beautiful friends of mine in Malibu that you would look at them and be like, wow, they're like the perfect, like, yoga Instagram model, like, young and beautiful and great hair and great nails and eat organic and acai every day and all this stuff and then they have like little bumps on their neck and breakouts on the back and yeah. on their arms and like where did that come from well that's the tdi that's in the the stretch fabric and right. all the yoga pants like lululem etc yeah and they don't put two and two together they think oh you know it's a hormone thing or it's something i'm eating allergic reaction or whatever it's like 
No. <laughs> no. <just> yeah. <laughs> you're so, on all the diets. You're already doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a disconnect. It'd be like me, you know, smoking and working out at the same time. Yeah. It's not going to give me the results I want. Yeah. But it's an addiction. But in this case, it's not an addiction. It's just maybe cheap fashion is an addiction to people. Yeah. But they just don't know about what's in them. Yeah. So they're just addicted to like changing the wardrobe every so often so they stay on the trends or whatever. So if people can realize that what they're wearing actually has an effect on their health. Exactly. Then they'll start caring. (laughs) I think so. And that's the whole, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the documentary. That's the whole reason for the doc. Just so you know, we have like nine more minutes before they start okay. this event. Yeah. So, yeah, the documentary, we, first one came out, remastered series, based in Tennessee, and it was on uh, PBS, Cowboy Channel, etc. Anyways, we won an Emmy for that one, which is amazing, because okay. it's funny, people will call you after you win an Emmy on something, like, oh yeah, I've been doing this 15 years, but thank yeah. you. Glad you know now. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> But it kind of highlighted on all this we're talking about. So obviously, to put it in a visual format on a platform of that nature, you know, I could do 100 more catwalks and I can't reach that many people. Yeah. So that's why my focus point is now on that. Yeah. You know, to get more of that information out there, et cetera. So. Yeah. I know we stole your cord. Can we? Ha- <laughs> how many more minutes we got? Okay. Pull. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Help is telling us we gotta go soon. Um, so let's see, I got like two more questions. Uh, one thing I, I wonder about is you are surrounded by beauty all the time. Where do you find the beauty that you get your uh, inspiration from in your own life? So, you know, it obviously I traveled a lot for what I do, and um, you know, just today before I met you, I was. You know, I went for a surf, I was working on some stuff, and then I came back and I was looking through old notes. I read a lot, I read like a book day. And Catherine the Great, for some reason I've been inspired by Russia. And um, and actually my girlfriend's from Russia, Siberia. And now you have the Siberia fires going on. And I was like, what's going on? And why is Putin letting these fires burn? Does he not know the catastrophe that's gonna happen with all this carbon being released at once? Yeah. And yeah, I get it, it's more expensive because up in Siberia and, and there's not people up there, it's more expensive to fly the planes and drop water and da da da. But and, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's already said we, you know, we need to get more people up there and yeah. get this out because it's basically it's in the Arctic area, so it's going to melt the mm-hmm. glaciers faster. Yeah, we've already had that happen with Alaska fires in July, and then now we got this happening in Greenland as well. And it's the it's already gone up an inch the ocean water, oh, so wow. it's a big deal. So, anyways, so it's interesting how when looking for inspiration, things align. Although the severe thing is a bad thing, but and then there was this new show about the, the last czar of Russia, um, and I watched that and got inspired by that. And then, but anyways, Catherine the Great. I looked at her. She's an amazing woman who brought about the Enlightenment age and era of, of Russia. So I always love okay. historical influences. Yeah. and what she did as a woman and stepped into it and actually Russia obviously discovered Alaska and colonized Russia uh, colonized Alaska it was called Russia America didn't know if you knew this or didn't not know I didn't know that no <laughs> and at the time when they first colonized it like most civilizations they mistreat the you know the indigenous people yeah and so she found out discovered that that was happening because a lot of greed and and fear factors right and she put a stop to it. Said we're gonna, you must live harmoniously with these people and stop this and protect their lands and keep it. Oh, wow. You know, so that was interesting. 
Um, but there's a lot to it. She was a horse rider, but she wore men's breeches. Okay. You know, like the old <laughs> yeah. equestrian. And I love that, you know. <laughs> and obviously, she had beautiful gowns as well. So that's what's happening right now. So it, it comes in all different waves. Yeah. So and like any artist, you get enough of it, you plug in. And then one day you get enough, and then you just fill up, and then you spit it out. Yeah. Yep. And mine comes in form of sketches and fabrics and all that. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, so one last question that I try to ask everybody. Sure. And I don't know if you might not have something off the top of your head, but um, try and ask when or what. Not necessarily your last one, but is there a time that you can identify a major? A paradigm shift in how you thought or viewed the world and what brought that about sure there wasn't a major event I honestly think it just happened to do with where I was born and raised in Tennessee on a horse farm it simply instilled with me that what we do every day affects planet earth how in this environment which I love so much um, and just being so close to nature every day I was on a horse every afternoon after school. I even rode my horse to school one time. Like, <laughs> I just, you know, had that connection. My buddies and I would be like, okay, whose farm are we going to after school? And where are yeah. we going to do the rodeo? And we'd come up with the rodeo games and we'd like do stupid stuff like shoot paintball guns at each other on horses, pretending like we were like, you know, cowboys Safe. and Indians. I don't know, it'd be like yeah. stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, but play capture the flag. So in that, you know, I couldn't imagine a world that we didn't have farms. And today, you know, I work with some kids here in Malibu. We have horse camp right now. Nice. Who, you know, living in these environments, in these zero lot lines, don't have a yard even. Mm -hmm. Inner city kids, they've never seen a horse, some of them. Yeah. So I could not imagine that. And as you said earlier, just being close and in touch with nature makes you respect nature. Yeah. So if you've never been in the ocean and you look at it as a scary thing, you're not going to care if it's being polluted as yeah. much or that plastic's floating around because you never get in there. You it's don't not your go face. diving. You don't see what's underneath there. Yeah. You know, I just recently got my diving certificate because um, I'm going to do more of that with this Bali project. But, nice. you know, I've always been a waterman, but lifeguard and surfer, etc., and, and sailor. But, you know, it gives me a whole new respect underneath and what's going on with the coral reef system. And, you know, the fact that if the water heats up just two degrees, we lose that coral reef. And yeah. that's the lifeblood of, of our ocean and all the animals. So we get like 50% of our oxygen. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that correlation, that connection doesn't happen if you're not connected with it. Yeah. You know, there's people that have never been to an ocean. Yeah. It's crazy, you know, that disconnect. So yeah. basically we need to like have more of those connections and, uh, you know, and implement these programs so the kids can, you know, I see, uh, I had a program in Tennessee, inner city kids would bring them out on horses. They'd be cussing up a storm, yeah. you know, disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. I put them on a horse. They're like, yes, sir, Mr. Jeff, sir. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, I like yeah. this, yep. you know. Um, so I think that's the main teacher of my life has been nature and respecting yeah. nature yeah and obviously everyone's seen what happens when nature gets out of alignment whether you want to admit global warming or not you cannot deny these things that are happening that never have happened before yeah and obviously we have to be the cause of it because we're the ones using all the resources without that idea of respect and responsibility yeah so what can you do about it? Well, everyone can do a little something and all that little somethings will add up to a bigger something. Yeah. And that's just it. 
start recycling, start, you know. Yeah, simple <laughs> Maybe things. Maybe pick up some trash on the side of the road every once in a while. Yeah, little things and like get rid of plastic. Plastic is a no-no, should never be here. Another yeah. thing, created an, an oil byproduct. <laughs> yeah, create a laboratory to, to, for a cheap solution that shouldn't still not exist because we can't do anything with it. Yeah. You know, that's this whole recycled closed loop system thing. It's not, doesn't work if people don't recycle it. Yep. For example, if you want to recycle your denim, you have to tell me the exact makeup of it so that I can recycle it properly. Okay. But you don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> the tag could still be in your gene or not, or it could make something up. Maybe it's not the right material makeup. Yeah. So this this idea of keeping plastic recycled and keep it going in our fashion world is is not the answer. Bad. <laughs> it's a, it's bad. It's a, Stop yeah. making dresses I'll out take of plastic the heat. bottles. I think it's bad. <laughs> I think it's a cheap solution. I think it keeps some of these guys in business that probably... You know, it's just like the fires we had in Malibu. Sometimes things are taken away from us or you have to let go of yeah. in order to, to move on to better things. Yeah. And we sometimes we don't have that choice in life. You know, I lost a child when, and that's something that most parents don't go through. And it taught me a lot. But you got to take that. And a lot of my pe- friends lost their homes here in Malibu. But with that burning, you know, so some of these big companies probably shouldn't be in business. Yeah. They need to let go. They've made enough money. Let them go. And then we need to implement a more sustainable practice in these new companies. Yeah. And people are like, Jeff, you're going to put people out of business. And, and what about the jobs? And I'm like, listen, I'm not political at all. I go simply those jobs would go into a green solution, into yeah. green jobs. Yeah. We need a better model. Like the Tesla is an amazing model for the car industry. Yeah. It's brilliant. It goes, you know, my girlfriend's in the racing cars. She's got a little M4. I'm like... You know a Tesla can beat that, right? She's like, yeah. huh? I'm like, yeah, a Tesla can beat that. She's like, no. Like, yeah, it can. So when Tesla over Tesla, guess what? Yep. Yep. Because there's no delay. I mean, if you just hit that gas, yeah. you know, well, it's not gas. You hit that electric pedal, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, brilliant. And, you know, I've had, I've had the luxury of, I've had dinner with Elon Musk, and we talked about all this, and, you know, James Cameron's a friend, and they're just brilliant thinkers and visionaries, and, we, you know, if the world was was creative, problem solving, they should get these guys together in one room yeah. and come up with solutions. Yeah. And there will be business made off of that. I get it. The world has to operate on commerce. I get it. But they're, you know, got to let go of it. It's like the music industry. You got to let go of those tapes, those CDs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different day now. You got to revamp everything. Revamp everything. And just yeah. the fashion industry is a dinosaur. It keeps holding on to that old stuff. And we need yeah. to let go of it and move in a different new direction. So, yeah. hopefully, this was uh, yeah. Uh, good enough. Is there anything you wish that we had covered, or I think that did it. You know, I think that was uh, a first initial. I'd love to do a second one, and we can yeah. go more in depth. But Definitely. I think that's a great, uh, great start for sure. Yeah. So, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you for All coming right. on. I'll tell him pull back. All right. So that was Jeff Garner, designer and owner of Sustainable Couture Fashion Label Prophetic. Uh, you can find him uh, at boutique stores in Franklin, Tennessee, and in Malibu, California. Uh, you can also find his work at prophetic.com. That is prophetic with a K at the end. Uh, make sure to visit whataworldpodcast.com also to find my blog about this episode, which contains information about Jeff, uh, prophetic, and sustainable fashion. Um, I also did a write-up of the top 10 worst chemicals used in modern fashion. So if you want to get freaked out, uh, 
go read that. Uh, even if you don't want to be freaked out, go read the blog. I put all the scary stuff at the end so you can stop reading when you get to that part. But anyway, thank you again for listening. Love out to all my peoples. Have a wonderful day. Whataworldpodcast.com. Good night.